morning liberty. What he's trying to say is that uh, our new brake pads are really cool. You're not even going to believe it. Like, um, let's say you're driving along the road with your family, and you're driving along, la la la, woo. And then all of a sudden, there's a truck tire in the middle of the road, and you hit the brakes. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden, the kids are yelling from the back seat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. <laughs> Not now, damn it. Truck tire. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's a cliff. Oh, and your family's screaming, oh my god, we're burning alive! No, I can't feel my legs! In comes a meat wagon! And the medic gets out and says, oh my god! New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And to me, it doesn't get out. Now! <laughs> the, the car's on fire. Oh my god. On gosh. his desk. I think I think he must have had communist breaks. That's what it was. Yeah, that's why he couldn't yeah. stop. They met their quotas, you right. know. Didn't really matter. Right. Didn't matter. There was no efficiency in the brake building. <laughs> well, this is obviously Good Morning Liberty. I don't know what, if you guys thought it was something else, but it's obviously a program about liberty and freedom. Exactly. In America. So, uh, we're going to talk about the debates last night. We are. Yeah. Did you I, watch? I, I watched most of it. Okay. I'd say ha- a little over half and, uh, I was pretty tired and some other things were happening. So yeah, I, I remember quite a bit of it. I know you called me like kind of upset <sighs> Man. during the debates. <laughs> I really thought of trying to figure out how to say like, well, I, I guess I could do a little bit of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, welcome to good morning. Liberty. Welcome to Good Morning Liberty. Bienvenido. Good Morning Liberty. That's my impression of Beto. Beto O'Rourke. That was, from a, last good, night. That was a good Beto O'Rourke impression. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the, the Spanish language going on, which is fine. I mean, that's fine. And I'm impressed as I was supposed to have been. But are there, are there only Spanish Americans here? I'm not. Why I'm couldn't not they sure. speak? French or Korean? Yeah. What about the people who speak all the other languages? Right. What about all those people? (laughs) Also, they obviously, they, they broadcast these things, you know, in other languages. So the whole idea that you need to talk in Spanish right now so people can understand you, it's just a bunch of pandering. That's all it is. It is. Well, what happens, okay, if I'm watching Telemundo, right, which is Spanish. Yeah. And it translates things for you. And... Beto speaking English, and then all of a sudden he switches to Spanish. Does that mean my TV will now translate his Spanish into English? I think by <laughs> law it has to. Right. Yeah. Can't be the same. <laughs> Man, the debates were uh, just what you would expect, obviously. Um, so many buzzwords. I, I kept writing them down because it was just insane. And everyone said pretty much the same thing. There's not much difference in any of the candidates. They all hate Trump. And uh, that's it. The good show. Uh, yeah, we'll talk it, to you guys tomorrow. It was a really big. <laughs> that's it. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. It was just a really big argument over which one of them uh, could give away the most stuff to the most amount of people and in the best way. Right. Like that's all it was. Yeah. At the end of the day, they all agree that they can do whatever they want with your money. 
that that's that's pretty much the basic idea. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be the right people to help everyone uh, that they can take all the money and do so many better things with it than what capitalism itself could do, what the free market could do. The free market was failing. All these monopolies. Speaking of uh, speaking of monopolies, we'll uh, we'll listen to this real quick. Be able to fight back. What's been missing is courage. Courage in Washington to take on the giants. That's part of the corruption in this system. It has been far too long that the monopolies have been making the campaign contributions, have been funding the super PACs, have been out there making sure that their influence is heard and felt in every single decision that gets made in Washington. Where I want to start this is I want to return government to the people, and that means calling out the names of the monopolies and saying I have the courage to go after them. So monopolist. The monopolist. Yeah, I want to I want to I want to say if you couldn't tell who that was, like if you couldn't hear the Indian accent, that was <laughs> Senator Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, I think they could tell. They yeah, could tell. You, look, you could hear like maybe 132 like 164th of an Indian yeah. American Indian accent there. Not that much. Like it's like 256th. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. So that's who that was. Uh, Warren. <laughs> Warren. Obviously the favorite last night. She was in the middle and they asked her questions first the whole time. Yep. The uh, the the front runner on that stage, right? Pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. Although the earliest reports out of Drudge is saying uh, Tulsi Gabarini. Uh, Gab- Gabbert, I thought. Yeah. Or is it? I don't know. It's too many. If Tulsi. you expect me to remember 25 different names. Nope. Not going to happen. I don't. No. I think Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbert. That's right. I think that's right. I think Drudge is saying that was she was she the veteran. A, the she was a runaway winner. Is that her? Yes, Iraq veteran. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, you know she's got a great kind of. I mean, her foreign policy. Her form sounds yeah. really good. She's actually she is actually the most libertarian Democratic candidate yeah. there. So if we were to have a Democrat president, then I mean I'm not going to vote for her. Yeah, but that would be way better than the rest. You would feel less pessimistic yes still pessimistic very pessimistic less pessimistic than if say elizabeth warren yeah or bs yeah one of those right uh so the monopolies she brought up the monopolies now i don't know where these monopolies are actually well they're Uh, in your closet i guess so yeah i got you know speaking of have (laughs) you seen the new millennial monopoly board game um do you get money every like square you land on you don't uh win by buying or selling anything you win by gaining the most life experience out of everyone on that's playing you wow so you just go to college forever yeah you just uh you gather uh different places that you travel um different uh parties that you go to different people that you meet and whoever ends up doing that is the one who wins the game of monopoly so all you guys out there, just go try that with your life yeah. and uh, see how much you win. Good luck to you. Good, Good luck yeah. to you. Good luck with that. <laughs> I have a like <clears throat> kind of a pet peeve is is listening to people talk about monopolies because there's um, there's kind of a misconception on what a monopoly is. I think most people would think um, if you are uh, if you own a bigger piece of the market than anyone else. Um, if you can kind of have a lot of influence in a market, you could maybe say, uh, if you were to think about Walmart or even Amazon now, which we'll, we'll bring that up in a minute, but you, you tend to get called a monopoly if, if you're that big, if people have to contend with you. And to me, 
and also to a uh, a lot of economics professors a monopoly is whether or not you can stop others from competing with you from entering the market from entering the market that is a monopoly right. and if you can't stop other people then you're not a monopoly just because you happen to be the biggest player doesn't actually mean that you're in a monopoly look at walmart so many people have called walmart a monopoly over the years and if you were going to get a uh a new soundboard for the podcast charlie well well we won't say a soundboard heck we could say a new thing of that zevia over there you know you got to yeah. run the walmart and do it right you have well, to they actually because... don't have these at walmart okay okay they well have, they're at kroger which is weird because that sounds like a competitor yeah so wait, you but you have to go to Walmart first, right? No, but they're a monopoly. Well, I didn't have to though. Hmm. So I guess they're not a monopoly. That's weird. And if you were gonna buy some clothing or something like that, like you go to Walmart, uh, Amazon, right? Okay, Amazon. Okay. Um, anytime you go grocery shopping, though, you you obviously you're required to go to Walmart first. No, it's Instacart. Okay. Yeah, on my phone. I don't go grocery shopping anymore. It doesn't really sound like Walmart's winning at this whole Monopoly game no. very well. Um, when I go get gas, most of the time it's not at Walmart. I don't like to go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. So so Walmart uh, sells groceries. They sell clothing. They, they sell that uh, Zevia soda that Charlie likes. They sell gas. But Toys. Yet, but yet you don't go there for any of those things do you i prefer target hmm that's interesting yeah and so but uh, you have to drive really far because there's a walmart close to here and they've stopped every other store from being able to locate in the area right Uh, nope okay there's a target here too Hmm. a super target even but for groceries like i know all the ladies listening to this podcast are gonna love that (laughs) i love target i love kidding me target (laughs) i used to anyway they don't carry like morona anymore you know their clothing line oh no more morona which had some pretty cool cheap stuff see i still do all my clothes shopping on on amazon okay (laughs) so okay so so then amazon must be a monopoly they They, have to be they uh, control the entire internet market they they control it yeah so you you tried to get on and start your own uh your own shop where you could sell things and and uh, you didn't get permission from amazon to do that did you no so so they shut it down sounds like they must be a monopoly (laughs) because they wouldn't let you sell your own things i guess exactly you see this idea of something being a monopoly it's it's ridiculous and we're sarcastic as hell (laughs) yeah seriously just think like think logically through it ask yourself those questions like can walmart stop me you know you know the only true monopoly that we have in america Government. A government. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're the, they're the only one that can actually stop other people from competing with them. Yes. And they're the only ones with a pure monopoly on force. So in the... In like the, Walmart can't... Did Walmart take you to jail the other day because you didn't go there? Uh, I'm on the run right now. <laughs> from Walmart? Yeah. From yeah, Sam ch- Walton himself. Yeah. Chase, from the grave. They send, <laughs> He sends his regards from the, <laughs> from, from the, the grave. From the grave. Um, we so, become very spiritual. Uh, yeah. So like in the 80s and 90s, Walmart was obviously a monopoly. Everyone talked about them being a monopoly. And now uh, since, so I trade in the stock market every day and I'm always reading all these stock reports and everything. I mean, 
I can tell you over the last year or two, people have legitimately been talking about whether or not Walmart's going to be able to stay in business. Now, can someone be talking about how you're going to stay in business if you were a monopoly? Mm-hmm. That that makes no sense. You can't, actually. <laughs> it reminds me, too, of um, you know the Vanderbilt story whenever he was younger and he was running ferries in, uh, in New York. If you read his, uh, his biography, it's a good book. And he was running ferries in New York. And what he would do is he would make it so cheap that he would push out all of his competitors. And then he would have a monopoly for a little bit of time because there was no one else that could enter the market because they couldn't do it that cheap. And he would be willing to lose the money. Which, by the way, worst case scenario in that monopoly was that everyone was getting everything for the cheapest thing possible. Exactly. Like, that's a terrible scenario for the consumers, right? Yeah, that monopoly sounds horrible, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So so he had a monopoly, but everybody was getting the cheapest ferry ride you could possibly get. It was probably like less than a penny back then. Well... After he pushed everybody out, he needed to make a profit because he couldn't sustain that. So he would raise his prices. Well, as soon as he did that, it made it feasible for everybody else to get in and compete with him. And so that's what they did. People would come in and they'd start competing with him again. So, and then what did he do? He had to lower his prices again. That's, so it's like, this is the free market at work. This is how it works. The only way you're able to maintain a monopoly is with help from the government. Creating, creating regulation, creating laws that dictate that your competition cannot come into the market. That's the only way you can actually have a monopoly. Yeah. Like even the cartel doesn't have a monopoly, even though they can use force because they, they're yet they act outside, you know, legality. Yeah. But there's more than one cartel. So yeah. that's true. You know, drugs are bad. But if you're in, you know, if you do get them, you, you have multiple cartels to choose from. Here's one. <laughs> Here's one you're you're really gonna like. Is this the one I got real pissed about? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Simply because they're women, I would do several things. Starting with something we should have done a long time ago, which is to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. Finally, in this country, and also pursue legislation so that women are paid equal pay for equal work in this country. It's past time that we did that. And you know, we have to do this. If we want to be the most prosperous nation in the 21st century, we need to make sure that women are paid what they deserve. All right, thank you. I want to said Well, obviously if you're against this, you're against women. Well, yeah, you hate women. Right. That's exactly how he set that up. Last time I checked, you hate women. Right. Right. You're a misogynist if you don't want equal pay for women. Now, he made a good point there at the end, which is uh, that if you want to be the most prosperous nation, I mean, you're going to want to use all of the resources that you can. And that includes women who uh, can bring a whole other side to the table that men can't. It's a, it's, it's obviously different. I haven't figured it out yet. Trust me. Yes. Not, yep. not one bit at all. They're beautiful. Uh, yeah. I, I like them. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm married. I'm married. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. And we so, love them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. But you don't want to pay think... them. You don't want to pay them the same. Well, <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> no, I, so, I can't I, believe this is still something that people are saying, by the way. Well, I, I really can't. It's it's this whole um, equal outcome thing, you know, the the uh, the equity of outcome. And so there's a there's a lot of reasons why some women, very few, by the way, make less than some men in like, let's say the same field, because that does happen sometimes. But there's a lot of reasons for why it happens. And there's actually a great book on this called Why Men Make More. And so there's a lot of 
different factors that go into that. But what the, the one thing I want to say is, is that you can't legislate this no. at all. No. It's impossible because you can't, you can't try and dictate by fiat, by bureaucrats, like what a wage should be for a particular job except for they do it with minimum wage and we yeah. see how well that's worked. So <laughs> well, use as an example. What would happen here is if you, if you made some kind of law, which we'll have to go into a little bit more detail here, but let's say you made a law that uh, for some reason made it more expensive to hire a woman, like uh, offering a lot of paid time off, offering things like that. Um, you would actually run into a scenario where a business owner who is not just a mega business owner, by the way, he's just got a, you know, mid-sized company, uh, might be a little bit more scared to hire women or less likely to hire women because they're not making much money and they might hire someone and then have to pay that person for months while they're, while they're not there. That That's something that happens with the whole paid time off argument. Um, so, when people think about businesses, they always think about Walmart and Amazon and things like that. But that's like that's like barely any of the 28 million businesses that are in the United States. You you think of like two of them, like 60 percent of the people in the U.S. are employed by small businesses. So we have a small business. We do. Yeah, we do. Right here. Right. Right. And right. We here. can't afford to hire many people. <clears throat> but we have, there's a few, you know, but um. The thing, the thing about, okay, I want to say this kind of a disclaimer, I guess, because do I agree with the statement that women should receive equal pay for equal work? That statement technically, yes. Yeah. Because a woman is just as capable as a man, especially in a lot of areas. And some women are even way smarter than men. So it's like, and then women have different temperaments. They have different things that they're better at than men are like, so should women receive equal pay for equal work like that technically yes yeah but the thing that you have to think about is here's one factor over 50 percent, which now it's over 50 percent women in the workforce that's only been a thing for like 20 years maybe 30 years in all of human history literally all of human history women have only been like 50% representation in the workforce for like 30 years. Yeah. That's it. So there's one. Two, like men and women are very different. We talked about that at the beginning of this right here. We're very, very different. Yeah. We think differently. We're wired differently. It's all, it's like biological. You can read this stuff. Like everybody has different love languages and all kinds of things. Some men and women think alike. Most don't. It's just biological. And so what happens is, and, and then there's, then there's a multivariate of other conditions, like when it comes to temperament and willingness the, to work longer hours, longer hours, what types of jobs you're interested in. Yeah. You know, like women tend to be more interested in people. Right. And I think that comes from like a compassion thing. Like women, most women have a maternal instinct. I'm saying most because yeah. not all, right. There's always exceptions, but if you look, and this is like, it's not bogus science or anything. You can look at the cultural science and the social, the social sciences, and this is all well-documented. Like it's all out there for you to go look at. And there's a great book, like I said, called why men make more. It's a dad who wrote it about his two daughters 
because he had two daughters and he was like, well, I don't want my daughters not to get equal pay. What's going on? So he went and did the research. And it tends to be that women are more interested in people and men are more interested in things. Now I'm different because I'm, I'm more interested in people. It's a weird thing about me, but people are harder to monetize, right? Like as a nurse, you can only take care of so many patients, right? It's physically impossible to take care of a thousand patients at the same time. I would, I would think, yeah, there might be one or two that could do it, but almost impossible. But if you could take care of a thousand and you got paid a certain amount for each of that, like you would make a lot more money. Yeah. Teachers can only teach so many people in the classroom, doctors, whatever the, the, the places that women towards to tend to gravitate towards in the workplace, they gravitate towards those jobs. Whereas men are interested in things like, you know, I got whatever you have computers, like you can make a million computers and sell a million computers. Yeah. We do software coding. I yes. mean, that's not something where you typically work with people a lot. Right. At all. But you could code a software that thousands of people are going to use. Right. So it's you're already helping a thousand people when you do your one little job on the computer today, whereas someone working in a caregiver field would not be able to help a thousand people right. in this entire week. Right. So there's a big differences. The other thing I want to go with is... First off, the whole the statistic itself is thrown off. They're still using this. They get paid, uh, what is it, seventy cents on the 80, dollar? I think it's eighty three cents. Eighty three cents like on that. the dollar. And it, this is where I can't believe that people are still saying this, or people are still believing this. And this is with all all jobs averaged into each other. All jobs. This is not across each specific field. When you actually look at each specific field, I believe it was 95 cents on the dollar is what it comes out to. And then actually, if you were to look at each specific field and then compare the people who had been in the same amount of years at that job. And worked the same amount of hours. Consistently, the women were actually getting paid more than the men. Right. So, but then we take all these fields where we have people who go into uh, something where they're working with people, which will typically pay less money. And then you have people who are uh, working in some kind of industry, technology, uh, all these kinds of things that pay a lot more money because you can help a lot more people at one time. And then we average those two together and then somehow say that women aren't getting equal pay for equal work. It's skewed. It, it makes no sense right. at, at all. So, let me give you a great example and God bless women for this. Like daycare workers make like $10 an hour. Yeah. And screw that. Uh-uh. Like, no, like women have such a heart for that thing. Like I, so my child's daycare and you can probably look at almost all daycares across America. I don't think there's a male teacher there. Yeah. And that's like, I'm not saying that that would be a bad thing, but it's like most women gravitate towards those types of things. Like they have that maternal instinct. That's biological. Right. So there's all kinds of factors. And now there are outliers in that. I was, of I'm, course I'm yes. married to some, to a woman who is a financial analyst for a very large corporation. And she's very smart. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, there are outliers as far as the career fields that people choose. It's not always, they're going to be teachers or work at right. daycares or be nurses, things like that. There's obvious outliers. Right. But you can say most, most are gravitate the majority towards this right. uh, and most men gravitate towards this, which will s- completely skew those statistics whenever you're averaging everything together. Correct. So and there's women that are in the STEM fields that are geniuses at it, right? There's women coders. I work with some, uh, some coders that on the software that I work on, um, 
and actually most of the people that you're working with every day are are women yeah so yeah and they're geniuses at it they're good at it so we're not in any way saying that i'm just if you look at the social science and when people have been surveyed and this study has been done over and over and over again and if you look at those statistics and that data it suggests what we're talking about the no way talk like we're not the ex- there's exceptions to every rule. That's oh, what I'm trying to say. I want to hear um, Gabbert's uh, response to this. I actually wrote down the time on this and I said, Gabbert, WTF. So <laughs> put the same question to Congresswoman Gabbert. Your, your thoughts on equal pay. Well, first of all, let's recognize the, the situation we're in, that the American people deserve a president who will put your interests ahead of the rich and powerful. That's not what we have right now. Uh, I enlisted in the Army National Guard after the Al-Qaeda terror attacks on 9-11, so I could go after those who had attacked us on that day. I still serve as a major, uh, served over 16 years, deployed twice to the Middle East, and in Congress serve on the Foreign Affairs and Armed Services Committees for over six years. I know the importance of our national security, as well as the terribly high cost of war. And for too long, our leaders have failed us, taking us from one regime change war to the next, leading us into a new Cold War and arms race, costing us trillions of our hard-earned taxpayer dollars and countless lives. Now, she, this- she's right about all that. I like what she's saying. That, that was her response to, to an equal pay for equal work. Yeah. She was, she basically had our response. Like, yeah, what, that's not even a question. Let's talk about something important. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. She, she must've just known yeah. that, uh, that wasn't really something that, that had to be discussed right, right now. So Nate, if you talk, make sure you're in front of the mic there. Um, so people can hear you better. I just want them to be able to hear you. What if I want to be quiet? Yeah. Well, talk quieter. All right. We'll see. Uh, let's see what I we're going to do. We're going to go into United a question, States. I think, I on uh, the solar Thank you. keeping our jobs here, here by the way. Oh. Get it some Trump supporters here. Gotcha. So we've had an industrial policy in the United States for decades now, and it's basically been let giant corporations do whatever they want to do. Giant <laughs> corporations have exactly no regulations loyalty, whatsoever. Right. To profits. And if they can save a nickel by moving a job to Mexico or to Asia or to Canada, they're going to do it. So here's what I propose for an industrial policy. Start with a place where there's a real need. There's going to be a worldwide need for green technology, ways to clean up the air, ways to clean up the water. And we can be the ones to provide that. We need to go tenfold in our research and development on green energy going forward. And then we need to say any corporation can come and use that research. They can make all kinds of products from it, but they have to be manufactured manufactured right here in the United States of America. And then we have... Okay, so she's making a plea to some of the Trump supporters right now, talking about how we it, we have to get our manufacturing jobs back into the country. We have to get our industry, uh, all of our products, we need them to be manufactured here, especially green energy is what she's talking about mm-hmm. there. Um, so she mentioned the corporations going to, you know, if they can save a, nic- a nickel by going to Mexico, then that's what they're going to do. What I'm going to ask to you, Charlie, is why is it that the corporations have to go to Mexico to save a nickel? Because it's too expensive to operate here. <laughs> because they know the Democrats are going to raise the taxes back up, the corporate income tax. That's why you have like, you know, all these corporations that 
that end up moving out because the cost of doing business is so much lower somewhere else. That's it's much more inviting to go to places like that. I mean, think about what you do in your regular everyday life, right? You try to get the highest quality of anything that you possibly can be it a product or a service for the cheapest amount possible. Everyone tries to do that. Yeah. No one says, well, I would rather pay more. Uh-uh. They, they, they don't do that. You don't do that. There's people, we have a lot of family in Southern Illinois and most of them will drive across the border to get gas. Yeah. You kind of have to, it's like 80 cents more in it, Illinois. Exactly. Now. So those people are willing to move out of state. Yeah. Why don't they like, do they not care about their state? I guess not. You know, it's, it's just them trying to uh, use their dollars to the, to the most efficient ability that, that they can be used. And right. That's what companies are going to do also. And they'll do it every single time because even I think what Apple's in like, part of their incorporations in Ireland, right? Ireland, yeah. Yeah. Because why Ireland only has a 15% tax rate on corporations. Yep. So why wouldn't you like, okay, well it's down to what? 24 and a half percent now. Um, 25. Yeah. 22, I think is what they 22. Yeah. And it was at 28 previously. And all, of course, all the Democrats last night were, we're going to raise corporate tax back up because that's, that's what we need to do. So this, by the way, when someone brings up, uh, well, that obviously the tax cuts aren't working. People aren't moving back to the U S the businesses aren't raising their pay enough, all this stuff. Well, why would they know that as soon as a Democrat gets in office, it's just going to get raised back up. So like, why would you build it? You know how long it takes to build a factory and an entire manufacturing facility and set up shop in one of the cities right. here in the U S by the time they get done building it, there's going to be a new person who's in office. They can't make long-term plans based off of the, the whim of whatever president's in office at that time. Right. So that's why when even when the tax cuts happened, instead of seeing a bunch of wage increases, which you did see a lot of wage increases, but you saw more bonuses because that's a one-time thing because they know that they can't plan on that tax being that low for very long. So they can't bump up people's pay to the most amount possible and then have a Democrat come in and raise the tax rate back up to 35%. They, they have to plan long-term. So she's sitting here talking about how we're going to, it, it's evil th- for them to move overseas and we're going to force them to do business here. Well, why, why don't we make it enticing for them to do business here? You know, why, why don't we make it uh, just easy to put a business here instead it's super hard as easy as it possibly can be yeah because then that's how you create economic growth that's how you do all of that like the other thing i wanted to mention we kind of made a joke while she was saying it this is elizabeth warren by the way again with the indian accent (laughs) um while she was saying it that corporations can basically do whatever they want and no one holds them accountable whatever that nate could you even find how many regulations there were from the federal government i can i cannot find they they measure it in pages oh yeah so you don't know the actual number they i could not find the actual number anywhere you think there's only one regulation per page um no so uh the regulation book has three columns per page of text and it's in very small print so they are able to fit three columns per page and there's 200,000 pages oh, in the book. 200,000 okay. 200, pages. 200,000. Of three column 
pages of regulations. So, but it's the free market screwing everything up. Right. The businesses they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they, they, have they full just, reign. They just have full reign. They do whatever they want. Obviously, Jesus. So let's see. That's uh, worse than I thought. It's it's really bad. I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> ask you that question now. Thinks they own Washington. Well, they don't it's, own me. Your time is. I thank you. Senator, Senator Warren, you signed on to Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan. Oh, it would God. put essentially everybody on Medicare and then eliminate private plans that offer similar coverage. Is that the plan or path that you would pursue as president? So yes, I'm with Bernie on Medicare for All, and let me tell you why. I spent a big chunk of my life studying <laughs> why you got a families microphone. <laughs> go broke. And one of the number one reasons is the cost of health care, medical bills. And that's not just for people who don't have insurance, it's for people who have insurance. Look at the business model of an insurance company. It's to bring in as many dollars as they can in premiums and to pay out as few dollars as possible for your health care. That leaves... Okay. I, I started laughing because I knew that was coming. I yeah. remember listening to that last night and I was like, oh my God, are so, you that dumb? So the problem with this business, first off, is that they're trying to bring in as much money as they can and have as little expenses as they can have. Going out. Yeah. Which, by the way, a insurance company trying to pay the least amount possible for health care is a good thing for the price of health care because that would drive down all the health care providers. The problem is we have a fixed minimum price on health care, basically, because we make it so expensive for all the providers to operate. And when the insurance companies are trying to, to pay the least amount possible, there ends up being a, a little bit of an imbalance there in the market because they're trying to charge really low and the government is making it nearly impossible for the healthcare providers to operate at those costs. I just, I don't call many people dumb. I really don't. Ignorant might be a better word, but no, <laughs> like this is, think about how dumb this is. You can think about this really quickly. If insurance's business model was not to take in as much in premiums as possible and then pay out as little as possible, then there wouldn't be any insurance companies. So then where do you get your healthcare coverage from then? Like yeah. they wouldn't exist. That's the point. That is a, what a business like, has to do. If I exist. operate a business where I have to pay people money and I have to pay rent for a building or I own a building and I have to still have to pay taxes and property taxes and all of that. And I operate at a loss every single year because I'm not concerned about paying out as little as possible. How long do you think that lasts? How long? Not very long at all. Like this is the easiest thing in the world to think about. They operate on a United Healthcare operates on a 4% total net profit at, at the end of the year. 4%. It's one of the lowest in any industry that there is. I'm surprised we even have any still. Yeah. Compared to uh, the technology market, you have someone like Apple who offer, operates on a little bit over 20% profit margin all the that time. That sounds better. And so you've got we United. Need to shut down the evil Apple yeah. greedy, greedy people. Evil, evil Apple. And theirs is by complete... Uh, volunteerism. I mean, people are just giving them money for things without being forced, you know, and they're able to make that much of a profit off of it. You're, you're basically forced to get insurance and they're driven all the way down to 4% margin. The other thing that makes me mad about this is we talked about this a little bit yesterday, like the government made healthcare and healthcare coverage from insurance companies 
infinitely worse with the Affordable Care Act. And all the Democrats did it. And Senator Warren was one of the champions of ACA when Obama was president. And so you're telling me that you created a, the health care that was bad already. It was. It was too expensive. There are a lot of things we need to change. Most of it is getting rid of all the regulation and ridiculous laws. In fact, there's a surgeon, I think, in Ohio who's suing the Ohio state government because he's not allowed to offer cheaper MRIs. Like there's a law that says I he saw has to, that. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So there's a lot of things that we can do. But you're telling me it was already bad. And then we had the government make it worse, especially it was all the Democrats, because I don't think any Republicans voted for it. All the Democrats made it worse. And now what they're telling you is healthcare has gotten so bad. What we need to do is take over all of it. Yeah. No more choice. No private insurance. I'm going to get rid of private insurance. I'm with BS on this. And I'm just like Medicare for all. And it's going to be glorious. How do you even believe something like that? How would you ever think that the government could take over something and it would get cheaper? Uh, do we have any history of that ever happening at all? This is like Bernie Sanders saying that <laughs> veterans love their health care coverage. Yeah. <laughs> have you talked to any veterans about their health care coverage? One more little health care piece right here. Let's. Uh, I don't know if I can handle from, it. From pharmaceutical companies to insurers, literally the overhead for insurers that they charge is 15%, while Medicare's overhead is only at 2%. We can do this better in every single day. Now... All right, Cory Booker. Here's the thing on this overhead, because I've had a lot of people throw this kind of statistic at me when I was doing my keyboard warrioring online. You're a freedom fighter. I am. I'm out there yeah. freedom fighting every mm -hmm. single day. It's all about liberty. So the, the talking point is that the overhead for insurance companies, that their administrative costs is at 15%, but then the administrative cost for Medicare is at... 2%. So obviously it must be cheaper to have Medicare instead of insurance. Now here's the problem. The way that they get to the, and I'll just use like a, a crazy simplified number here. Here's the way that they do it. If you actually have a, uh, an insurance company paying for something and they pay out a thousand dollars, or we'll just say a thousand dollars and their administrative cost on that thousand dollars is a hundred dollars. So now we can say that there is a 10% operating uh, administrative cost on that insurance company. Now we take Medicare and what they're going to do is they are going to pay out $5,000 for what these, the exact same thing, but they're going to have the same administrative cost of $100. And so now you have a Medicare overhead cost of 2%. So now you can say that the Medicare overhead is 2% while the private market overhead is 10%, when actually they both cost the exact same in administrative costs. They were just different total bills. And and, and that was it. So that, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so distracting. I'm sorry. It's it was so distracting. It was bothering me. <laughs> it's it's killing me. Well, killing I thought me. you were doing really good there. Thanks, man. I was letting you go. Thank you. So did you did you uh, did you hear what I said? It's it's just <laughs> skewed statistics again. It's, it's it's insane. It's the same cost. It's exact. Say a hundred dollars for a thousand dollars that an insurance company pays out is ten percent. A hundred dollars for five thousand dollars that Medicare pays out is two percent. And so then they get to come at you and say, well, Medicare's overhead is only two percent. Well, Medicare paid five times more than the insurance company. Right.
It's 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 insane. It makes no sense. <laughs> Man, I I I had to stop this several times while I was watching it and take a break and watch something like kind of happy because I get so like this stuff really like it really gets me down sometimes. It's just I don't I don't understand how people buy into it. I don't like either. how do you how do you not see past the the buzzwords and the talking points like a lot of what I, okay I can say this from a marketing perspective a lot of what in an influencer perspective right a lot of what they say sounds good but you got to get to the damn bottom of this stuff like people can say whatever they want to sound good yeah like what is actually behind the scenes that's where it really matters and when you start to dig into this like Nate did and just gave you a perfect perfect example it literally costs the same. Oh, and here's another good one, real quick. Another little skewed number that's going to sound crazy to you. It's going to sound like an injustice. So we'll uh, we'll we'll hear this. And that is that the insurance companies last year alone sucked 23 billion dollars in profits out of the healthcare system. 23 billion dollars, and that doesn't count the money that was paid to executives, the money that was spent lobbying Washington. All right, so 23 billion dollars. They sucked 23 billion dollars out of the market, and so I wanted I wanted to get the numbers on that because 23 billion. That's a lot. Yeah. Now we've actually got around 350 something million people in the country, but I, I did this out of like 285 million people just to go at a at a lower number. Get Be a, conservative. Yeah, just just get it. All. So it, that twin that evil 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 23 billion dollars. And by the way, this is why healthcare is so expensive is because they took this profit out of the market. Just so you know, this this you're led to believe that this is why healthcare is so expensive is because of this profit that's being taken out of the market. Because of the greedy insurance companies that wrote the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. So <laughs> so that $23 billion divided out cost everyone about $90 a year. $90. Hmm. Hmm. Now, can you tell, is the biggest problem facing healthcare right now is that everyone is $90 short? For some people, possible. $90 for the year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, maybe if you're homeless. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But, but for almost everyone else, no. What is that a day? Three six uh, ninety divided by three sixty five. It's, it's, it's not very much. No, I don't know. You, well, you do the math. Three dollars. Be it'd be a little <laughs> less than thirty three cents. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, that's probably true. a quarter. Yeah. yeah. Be about a quarter. Yeah, less than a dollar. That's right. Thirty something cents. A quarter a day. I find one of those every single day. And that's why so if we can get rid of that cost, if we can get rid of that profit that was sucked out of the market by the greedy health insurance providers, then the then the the problem solved. Everything would be fine. Pro- problem solved. Yeah. You know? Let's see if we can get Blue Cross to just give everybody a quarter back. <laughs> A Get quarter? your quota. Yeah. You think it would be, it would just, everyone, they're just going to send you 90 bucks a year and then all your problems are solved. Yes. So that's it. Have an America where most people support Roe versus Wade. We need to make that Senator federal Yorba. law. Thank you. Jose? Thank you. Senator Booker, I want to kind of come back on a discussion we were having about health and the opioid crisis. You uh, represent a state where uh, 14 of the 20 largest pharmaceutical companies are based. Should pharmaceutical companies that manufacture these drugs be held criminally liable for what they do? They should absolutely be held criminally liable because they are liable and responsible. This is one of the reasons why- Stop (laughs) it. Stop. 
Okay, so let's let's follow that logically. <laughs> they, Hang on. <laughs> let's follow that thought process logically. Okay? Can we listen to it one more time? Yeah, okay. rewind it. I want to hear... <laughs> Mr. Producer. <laughs> rewind the tape. Cut this five, is... go. Opioid <laughs> crisis. You uh, represent a state where uh, 14 of the 20 largest pharmaceutical companies... Are based. Look at his eyes. Should pharmaceutical I companies that, they look that manufacture evil. these drugs be held criminally liable for what they do? They should absolutely be held criminally liable because they are liable and responsible. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why. <laughs> All right, I want to follow this logically real quick, and I, okay. want, you, I want you to tell me what you think about All this. Right. Okay, so we've talked about before on previous episodes, even yesterday, and I think the day before, you can go back and listen. How do pharmaceutical companies get their drugs to the market? Do you think they just manufacture them and put them out? That, like they that just, must be it. Right. We like, need to stop them. Like Pfizer, they just manufacture drugs and they put them out in the market. You can buy anything you want. No, they don't. So follow this with me real quick. If people that get addicted to opiates, and it's a, it's a bad problem, it is, but people that get addicted to opiates, if it's the fault of the manufacturer of that drug, then it would, would it not also be the fault of the government of the FDA that approved of that medication to go to the market? Would it not also be the government's fault? They had to and sign should off they, on it. Should they be held criminally liable for approving a medication that people got addicted to? Well, we run into this in a lot of different scenarios. The government is never liable for anything. There is no recourse against them whatsoever. Anything that they do wrong, you cannot do anything about it. This makes me so frustrated. Like you, you. I thought about that for two seconds. The the two you, seconds. You know where I went with it too is. I thought it was crazy that this is probably about the first time someone mentioned responsibility on that stage, and oh. the and the responsibility of the people who are getting addicted and dying lies on, they've decided it lies on the drug company that, that that's whose fault it is. Yeah. It's never, they, they did not place responsibility on the American people one time in the entire debate. It was everyone else's fault. Right. The whole time. And the only people they placed responsibility on was the 1%. It's and everyone that, that's else. That's it. No one yes. else has to worry about any personal responsibility whatsoever. While we're at it, let's put the doctors that prescribed it in jail and let's put the nurses that gave it in jail. Yeah, pharmacists. I mean, they filled it. Yeah, they filled it. You got to follow logic like you would Walgreens. With, the, with the drug war, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Walgreens facilitated it. Yeah. That, it, it or maybe you, got a, maybe you got it from Walmart. Walmart has a pharmacy too. This will be a good This will be a good one because um, I think we might actually get to catch my head exploding on, on the microphone. So <laughs> Hang on, let me go Facebook Live with this. Too. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> there who feel you're falling behind, who feel the American dream's not working for you. The immigrants didn't do that to you. The big corporations did that to you. The 1% did that to you. We need to be the party of working people, and that includes a party of immigrants. But first, we have to tell working people in America who are hurting that we're going to be on their side every single time against those big corporations who created this mess to begin with. And remind people we're all in this together. If we don't change that debate, that politics that's holding us back, we won't get all these reforms people are talking about. That's what Thank we you. need to do. Is dem- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back again and play that again. That's just uh, disgusting. It, it is a purely 
purely disgusting comment, and I think it it deserves to be heard again, uh, just because of how terrible it is and how important it is to this hear is, this. This uh, is New York's mayor, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is De Blasio. Uh, De Blasio. Getting his one of his last moments on stage ever. <laughs> Immigrants somehow created their misery and their pain and their challenges. For all the American citizens out there who feel you're falling behind, who feel the American dream's not working for you, the immigrants didn't do that to you. The big corporations did that to you. The 1% did that to you. We need to be the party of working people, and that includes a party of immigrants. But first, we have to tell working people in America who are hurting that we're going to be on their side every single time against those big corporations who created this mess to begin with. And remind people we're all in Jesus. this together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's the last clip I had pulled up for this, because that's enough. That's, that really is enough. He was the worst one. Yeah. He I'm, said something else that pissed me off too. Yeah. What was it? He was the one that said, um, th- he was the one that was saying that we have enough money for everything. The problem oh, is yeah. that the money's in the wrong hands. Yeah. Like give, oh, give me the money. Yeah. I know what to do give with it. Give the government the money. They're better with it than you are. So. All right. Let's see your head explode. His argument here. He's, he's pleading toward, towards the Trump supporters who are, angry or worried about immigrants coming in. And I'll give him a five seconds worth of credit here. It is not immigrants' fault that anything bad is going on in anyone's lives, you know, other than people who have been killed, which is still a very low percentage of people who end up dying in some kind of violence. So it's not a great argument. But it is not anyone's fault economically that there are immigrants coming into this country. Immigrants actually help. Yeah, they, they actually help. They, they, they help a, a great bit. So he's right there. But then the disgusting part happens, which is someone who's running to be the chief executive of our country is saying uh, right out in the open that businesses have created this problem, that the 1% have created this problem, that the people that you need to be mad about are the people you need to be mad at are the people who have more than you. And you need to give me power so I can finally take down those people who have more than you and get the money into the right hands. Yep. I don't, I, I don't think there's any better representation of history repeating itself in some of these people. If you, if you go back to things that have happened in the early 1900s, we've talked about what happened in Soviet Russia before with the, with the kulaks, the, the farmers who had more than others, who uh, the government finally got everyone to hate enough that the kulaks were killed by their own neighbors. Uh, they were the farmers, and so six million people starved to death afterwards. They killed so many people out of hatred because they had more than they did, and the mm-hmm. government was able to convince them that all of their problems were because of those people. We saw, I did a story about the, uh, the Weimar Republic and what happened with the economic collapse in Germany, which was uh, that they were calling the Weimar Republic uh, before that. Um, when the economy collapsed and they had a 84 billion percent inflation in three years, where people's entire life savings was not enough to buy a loaf of bread at the grocery store all of a sudden, where they were taking wheelbarrows of marks 
to the store and still not able to buy food. Same kind of things that you see in Venezuela. When that happened, they were able to convince the people that those who had more than them were the cause. You know who had more than them? The Jews. The Jews. Those were the people who still had more more than them. They were the people who were working in the financial institutions, the people who owned the stores, uh, the people who were lawyers, the people who were doctors. And the government was able to convince the people that the people who had more than them were the cause of their problems. And if you just gave the government enough power, they could, they could stop these evil, evil people that were above you and get the money into the right hands. And how many Jews died? Uh, well, I guess that was around six million. About six million. Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, strikingly close to yeah. the same number. So then when you hear someone who is also inside of the government and saying that is that it is the businesses who have created this problem. When we've got 200,000 pages of federal regulations, pages that have three columns in small print on each page, we have 200,000 pages of business regulations in the country. When the financial collapse happened in 2008, there were 160 government agencies that were in charge of oversight over the financial sector. When we have all these things happen and you still have people in the government that can actually stand up there and say that all of our problems are because of the wealthy business owners. That's frightening. It is. Yeah. That's absolutely scary. And you make some really like shocking, shocking comparisons that are so in line that there's nothing else you could say about it except that it's literally scary. It's literally, you know, sometimes I go back and forth wondering if conservatives or, you know, far leaning leftists make me more mad because Liberty is what we're about here. But when you say things like that, it's literally, not only is it disgusting and, and, and ignorant, but it's evil. Like he's trying, literally trying to build resentment. Yeah. And, we're here to tell you that anything that goes wrong in your life is your fault. You are a direct representation of the choices that you've made in your life. Now, are, do unfair things happen? Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe you got cancer and it wasn't your fault. Exactly. The world is a hard place. Nature is cruel. There's all kinds of bad things that happen to all kinds of good people. And most of it's unfair. So what do you do? When that happens in your life, well, try out resentment, see what happens, see if it helps. Yeah. Like all that leads to is at least 6 million deaths because it's happened twice now. Yeah. In smaller populations. Yes. Now there are more deaths than that. Yeah. After all of that happened, but we're talking about at least, at least. So the greatest threat to America is not free market businesses. It's not climate change. It's dangerous ideology. And I believe it was James Madison or was it Thomas Jefferson who said, no, it was Benjamin Franklin. I'm sorry, Ben Franklin. When asked, I know I had to go through the I had to go through him a little bit there. I was thinking of that meme. <laughs> so when, yes. <laughs> 
when when they got done writing the Constitution and they came out, Ben Franklin was asked, uh, what kind of government did we end up with? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. And our our founders did the best job they could designing a government of the people and by the people in the best way they knew how. And they put all kinds of restraints on the central government, on the federal government, because they knew that the only way America could be destroyed is from within. And that's exactly what you see happening. People in government like de Blasio, absolutely disgusting, advocating for murderous ideology, trying to divide people into hating anyone that has anything more than you do. And you don't think it leads, you know, you think murderous is too strong of a word. Well, what happens eventually when you convince everyone that the plight of the poor, that people who are starving, that people who uh, can't afford their health care, that all those people are dying because of these people that are in the 1%. You don't think that can lead to a murderous ideology? Your moral, your morals in that case would, would justify the murderous ideology once you're convinced that those people are causing people to die. And that's what's happened in and history. You, you read that the other day yeah. from, from one of the soldiers who said it was basically, it's my duty yeah. to kill my neighbor because they had a few bits more grain than they should have by law, basically. They said that they were uh, realizing historical necessity at for, that time. For the, for the fatherland. Yeah. For the socialist fatherland. Yes. It's so, so disgusting. I think we'll have to leave it there. That's why I saved that clip for last because that was by far the worst thing I heard out of the entire debate. Well, I'm not sure you guys can have a good day after that. <laughs> the good part is, is that you're, you're in control. Here's what I'm going to do because I get worried about all these people that are going to be in government. What I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on creating the best life I can for myself where whoever gets in office uh, no one's going to be able to touch me, What, whatever it is. I'm going to make enough money. I'm going to uh, have the best life that I can that I can see fit without the government being able to touch it. And if they do, if they do take everything away and they take they take, uh, you know, the the business that we have going on right now, they take it out of business. I also day trade every day. If that if a Bernie Sanders plan crashes the stock market or kills day trading, um, I'll just do something else. And I'll do that really well. And then if they take that away, I'll, I'll learn something else and I'll do that really well. And that's really all you can is take care of your own individuality and take care of your life and make sure that you're doing the best thing that you can to have a good life. And if everyone does that, if everyone adopts that idea that they are going to make sure that they are in the best place possible to have the best life they can, we might just be able to pull out of this thing. You mentioned uh, responsibility earlier, and that is the crux of that argument, is you have to be willing to adapt responsibility in your life that no matter what happens, you're responsible for yourself and for your family. And if you adopt that mentality and that as hard as it is, because it's really difficult, it's so much easier to blame everybody else. All your problems is everyone else's fault. That's way easier but it's not. It's also a terrible feeling to have because then, then it's out. Of, it's out of your control. It's out of your control at that right. point in time. And if you take the responsibility, 
even for things that aren't your fault. And that's a crazy idea. But if you take responsibility for it, it gives you the power to control the situation. Now you have the power to change it. You have the power to change your outcome and your outlook. You have the power to change your family and your family's outcome. And you have to constantly be increasing your skills and everything that you do, because you never know if one of these buffoons actually gets in control of the government elected democratically, by the way, just like Chavez and Maduro were in Venezuela, just like Hitler was Stalin wasn't, but Lenin was <laughs> Stalin. They, they don't know for sure. Lenin died, but, but they think Stalin might've killed him. It's possible. Well, so when Hitler came into power, he was actually already, um, he was in the next highest position in Germany. The person above him died and they didn't appoint, uh, they didn't elect anyone else, so he was appointed the the chancellor. Yeah. But then he was able to maintain that over right. over that whole time democratically. Yeah, yeah. So so just think about those types of things. And um, this isn't a you know red wave or blue wave or anything like that. This is this is all about liberty and the freer that people can become, the more of the two hundred thousand pages of reg- regulations that we can get rid of the greater and more prosperous our society can become. So where can uh, people go to find, you know, more information about what we're doing and, and, tell you uh, what. and help out? Let me tell you something. Yeah. The gram is hot right now. It is. Instagram is hot. Yeah. Good moving morning. up on the old IG. Good morning, Liberty on Instagram. We got some cool videos you've been posting. Yep. Uh, people have been messaging us on there, direct message. So you can message us and, Maybe you want to hear us talk about something. We looked the other day. We've got listeners all over the world. Yes. Now, we just, you China know, and we India. just restarted this podcast. We originally started back in 2017 mm-hmm. and uh, we, we look, we didn't have the listeners around, around the world at that point in time. But in the last month we've gained listeners all over South America. I saw the Ukraine on there. I saw uh, several in Denmark. I saw uh, people in China actually, which right. I, I did not know was legal. We don't have Australia yeah. yet. I don't think. No Australia. Haven't made but it. They're coming. The yeah. Aussies are coming. They're going to be there. <laughs> so uh, we really appreciate everyone sharing the show, which is what's happening. We've had people actually sharing all of our posts on Facebook. We've had people telling people to check out the show. That's the best thing you can do. Leave us a rating and review on there. Go to BernieLies.com. The rating and review is important. It's super important. On iTunes. Yep. It's or, or any podcast app. Whatever podcast app you listen to, leave a rating and review. Um, if we suck send us a direct message. <laughs> but if you think that we're worth four or five stars, you put, put those stars on there. Yeah. Four or five. <laughs> if we, if we suck, tell us why, but just do it in a direct message on Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us there too. It's good at good AM Liberty. And uh, guys, as sad as all of that was, <laughs> and as dreadful as de Blasio was and his disgusting resentment, uh, you can still have a good day. You can still choose that. Take responsibility for your day. We hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty.